of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us online here today as we continue on in our series on destined for deliverance. This has been an amazing time and an amazing series, and we're so glad that you're here to partake of this series with us. We believe that um, God is calling on you to receive his ministry of deliverance from things that have held you back, from hurts, hindrances, habits, strongholds. Some of those strongholds are, are, um, are self-made prisons, but then sometimes situations and things happen to us that are beyond our control as well. Whatever the case, God is still the God of deliverance. And he wants you to get delivered to the point that you can be his minister to help deliver someone else. Amen. And so that's what we're believing God for today in the name of Jesus. Please connect with us over social media. We have multiple media venues there and there's information that's there with the uh, with you on your screen. And we encourage you to do so. And we believe that you'll be blessed as you help us as our destiny partner to help others experience the difference of destiny. Amen. All right. So destined for deliverance, um, you know, our objectives for this series, we said we're elaborating on the doctrine of deliverance as something included within salvation, but often experientially distinct from it. In other words, um, it's not like you got saved and you needed something else for deliverance that wasn't already included in your salvation. But there's times when you lead, you can, if you're not watchful, careful, prayerful, um, and mindful, you can leave part of what is in your salvation package on the table, right? Um, you know, there is, uh, when you become an employee of General Motors, there's this a whole manual of benefits. Most of us don't even read it till we need it. Sometimes that's a little late, right? And so the care, we want to be watchful that in the benefit package, of your salvation experience is this thing called deliverance and that you actually walk in it. Two, we say we're illuminating the multifaceted nature of deliverance. We've talked about deliverance from um, kind of physical danger was one of the things we've talked about in this series. We talked about spiritual issues. We talked about habits and hurts. I mean, last week we kind of, you know, the doctor, Dr. Jesus went deep in the healing of the heart hurts. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, that's a part of deliverance. You know, people, we, we carry words that wound us. And the people who said the words can be dead and gone. And we're still laboring under the weight of the words that they spoke over your life. All right. Then we said to cultivate a desire, a demand, a diligence, a discipline, a discipline, and a dominion for deliverance. And we're walking you through that, the process of deliverance there. And then... For to accelerate you toward the deliverance God intends in each area of your life. And finally, to insulate you from losing ground in your deliverance. And we haven't got to that one yet, but that's a really important point to me for this series is that um, we come to the point in this part when we talk about deliverance in areas that we don't, that God doesn't. Um, deliver us, and then we lose it because of some kind of 
willingness or unwillingness to do the things that are required to maintain the deliverance. All right. Sometimes people want to go from bondage to being free, and they think being free is just being loose. That's why I explained to you last week as a building part of this series that the anointing was the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Remember that from last week? But hold it, hold it, hold it. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That means if I'm going to get rid of that yoke and burden, I'm going to have to take on his yoke and burden. If I try to get rid of that yoke and burden, but don't take on his yoke and burden, I'm going to get back in bondage over there. Does that, does that make sense? And so I want to make sure, you know, sometimes people, you know, like, um, that's why the song God is says, I got to fast and pray to stay in this narrow way. I know, I know some people just want to get free from the problem and then don't want to have to do something that has as much discipline in it as the problem was keeping us in bondage, but you're going to have to do something to keep your deliverance. All right. Scripture today, Psalm chapter 16, we're going to read the whole chapter, verses 1 through 11. Psalm chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol or hell, that's where the King James says it, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. This is the key verse. This is the verse that really talks about being a finder of the destiny path of God for your life. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, this prayer, I'm just going to talk you through some points on this prayer, so... Just listen up to me for a second. This prayer is a prayer of deliverance for David and was also a prophetic prayer that guided Jesus through his passion experience. This was a prayer 
um, that David prayed, but Jesus, particularly the end parts of that, really are things that Jesus held to when he was going through his tough place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked God for, for preservation or deliverance because of trust, right? He says, God, in you I put my trust, so preserve me, right? You are, you're going to go through situations where your trust is the basis of deliverance. God, I'm just trusting you to get me through this. God, I'm just trusting you to get me out of this. It's not because you did everything right, because he said, hey, man, my deliverance is not, my goodness is nothing apart from you. So I'm not telling you to get me out because I'm so good. I'm telling you to get me out because you're so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes the devil will tell you, you know, you ain't done everything right. You ain't been goody two-shoe. I got a right to take this from you. I got a right to hurt you because of all of the stuff you done done wrong. And you can tell him, no, 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 no. See, I'm not getting out because I've been so good. I'm getting out because he's been so good. And I know that my goodness is nothing apart from him. Woo, that's good preaching, Pastor David. Then he said, he said, okay, you tell Jehovah, that's what the first Lord is in verse 2. He says, he says, you tell Jehovah that you are my Lord, my master, my owner. All right? Now, remember in John 10, excuse me, not in John 10, in Romans 10, that we said that we must confess Jesus as Lord. In this scripture, we're con confessing Jehovah as Lord. He's the Lord God, our Father. Jesus is the Lord God, the Son. All right? And so, then he says that um, part of his deliverance process is hanging out with delivered people. I'm hanging in the company of the saints. He says, hey, as for the saints, they are the excellent ones in whom I delight. All right? So I'm not going to let church hurt drive me from church help. Yeah. Because sometimes people think that because they've had hard hurts in church, God gives them a pass and they get to opt out of the fellowship of the saints. You don't. You don't. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You didn't get a special pass. Everybody except Brother Stringbean gets to, has to assemble, but you get a pass. You get a get-out-of-jail-free card. You can just do church at home. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. You, you need to have the same communion of the fellowship as the rest of us. And oh, by the way, hurt isn't a one-way street. You ain't just been the one been hurt in church. You've done some hurting in church. Stop trying to play like everybody else done done you, and you ain't done nobody. Stop that. People think it's a one-way street. No, it's not. I done been in church a long time. I know I done hurt some people, but some people done hurt me too. That's why forgiveness is necessary amongst the communion of the saints. All right? So, 
Then he says that for me to get my deliverance, I've got to watch the dangers of idolatry. He says, he said that your sorrows be, will be multiplied if you go after another God. Now, before you say, I ain't serving no other God, when you get in trouble, what's the first thing you turn into? Because sometimes, sometimes, right, comfort food, retail therapy, all right, Netflix and chill. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, people find other ways. Now, we say Jesus, Jesus on Sunday, but sometimes when we get in trouble, other stuff tries to get up in there between us and God. Can we talk the truth, y'all? All right? Sometimes other stuff is the stuff I'm grabbing, and I'm not calling on Jesus. All right? But this scripture tells me that sorrows will be multiplied if I hasten after another God. I got to watch that I don't let something else slip up in there and be the thing that gives me relief when I really just need deliverance. Hear the difference? Hear the difference? Because sometimes, sometimes I need deliverance, but I just want relief. Uh, some of us want to shop to <laughs> shop till I drop. Some of us just want to sleep the world away. Some of us want to eat something, drink something, you know, pop something, do something, go something. Right? We find all other gods. Don't don't get it. Don't get it twisted. Now, I'm not telling you you got a little Buddha in the house that you bow into, but just because you don't have a little physical statue don't mean you don't have something that's trying to get up on a throne to be God in your life instead of God. Then he said, their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up their names on my lips. What was he talking about? He was talking about, you know, um, just like... We worship God with the communion elements that other gods like to be worshiped with drinks too. Drinks, let's drinks around the room. Let's cheers. Okay, you better be watching what you're cheering to. I'm just saying. All right. Now, see, now I know some of y'all, you know, I mean, you say, but you still like your music. Okay, it got quiet up in here. I got quiet. You got to watch what you're going to and what you're rocking with. Because you can be throwing your hands up, throwing your hands up, throwing your hands up, throwing your hands up to something, and you're offering something up to a false god. Because some of the words of what they're saying is not, they weren't lifting their hands up to Jesus. I was writing my notes on this one this morning, and the Lord said, Jesus needs Jesus. Somebody, if you don't know who Jesus is, see, there's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, who is it, Jay-Z, they say he called his name Jesus? It wasn't, it wasn't Jay-Z, it was another. Kanye, Kanye called his name Jesus. Yeah, so Jesus needs Jesus. You know, but some people are going out and then they lifting their hands to this because this is just, they just, this just, and they just went with whatever they lifting their hands to. See, you got to watch that. I'm just saying, you got to be, you got to be careful. All right. 
But then the psalmist David said, Lord, you are my portion in my cup. God, we acknowledge that you are our legacy and our inheritance. I, I know that I should be putting money in a 401k, but if, I, if my 401k isn't everything that I would like it to be, I know I have treasure up in heaven. And just because I put treasure in heaven don't mean I have to go to heaven to get it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said, put it where moth and rust can't corrupt, thieves can't break through the steel, but it doesn't mean I got to go to heaven to get it because he shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. But I got need down here. Ain't no need when I get there. The needs are gone. All right? So he's telling me here to confess and to acknowledge that I entrust him to be the executor of my estate. <laughs> yeah. You know, an executor, if you have a will and a trust, the Bible calls it the New Testament, last will and testament. The testament doesn't go into force until the death of the testator, the person who dies with the will. All right? So Jesus died to put the will in force, and then he rose from the dead to be the executor of his own will. He is the executor of my estate. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm counting on. Not only is he the executor of my state, he maintains my lot. In God's word translation, it says, you are the one who determines my destiny. You're the one who, who's holding on and has the plan and the thoughts and the path for my future. All right? Then he says, we, we worship God and trusting him to guide us through the difficulties even in the seasons where our daytime seems like nighttime. God, I'm trusting you. You're my counsel, right? Through you give me counsel and you instruct me in my night seasons. Some night seasons happen at night, but sometimes we waking up, we still wake up and it still feels like night. Weeping may endure for a night, don't just mean a 24-hour cycle. Some of us have night seasons. <laughs> Can we talk about it? Sometimes, sometimes night is longer than the eight hours between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. when the sun rises. Sometimes our night feels a little longer than our sunset and the sunrise. Oh, but I got instruction. You're going you're gonna to instruct me in my night seasons. It may be dark, but I'm getting some directions up in here. Yeah. Yeah. So we bless the Lord. We worship him and trusting him to guide us through the difficulties, even through the seasons where our daytime seems like nighttime. Even in our difficulties, we develop a quiet confidence and assurance. He said here that because he is at my right hand, I've set the Lord before me, I shall not be moved. That's quiet confidence. He said, my heart is glad, my glory rejoices, and I tell my flesh to calm down because we're we going to hope in God. 
Because when we get in those situations, ah, adrenaline can hit you and you have a fight or flight sensation. You're angry, but you're not angry with people. I had to talk to my wife. Babe, I'm angry, but it's not with you. It's not with you. I got a situation going on, and it makes me angry. But I had to get to a point where flesh calmed down. My flesh shall rest in hope. Tell your flesh to calm down. You're going to be fine. Verse 10 was Jesus' confidence that he would make it through his passion and subsequent suffering in hell's dark domain. He said, for you will not leave my soul in hell, Sheol, nor allow your Holy One to see corruption. Jesus trusted that even though suffering would be physical and take him all the way into hell, that even though he was going to go to a difficult place, he wasn't going to stay there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking through, though. I ain't staying. I'm just visiting. I'm not here to live. I'm just passing through. Yeah. You, you may have to go through some difficult situations. Yeah, but you just, you just passing through, man. You just passing through. We, have, we, we can also be confident that when our souls go through hellish situations, God will get us out before our flesh starts to sink, stink. Right? He says, you won't. Jesus, Jesus understood it that he was going to go through hell. But in three days and three nights, God was going to get him out before his flesh started to stink. Well, that's the thing I'm trusting, too. I mean, this situation looked bad. Because you know what the devil tell you? You ain't never getting out of this. Ever hear that voice? I got you now. You got out the last time, but I got you this time. No, no. I'm going to get out, and I'm not going to even smell like what I've been through. I'm not going to look like it. I'm not going to smell like it. If I didn't tell you, you wouldn't have even known what I went through. And then finally, verse 11. This is the scripture that defines the destiny pass. This is the scripture that defines the destiny pass. God, you will show me the path to take forward in life. You will show me the path. So our first key point is, is that deliverance is a path. You will show me the path for life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when I'm going through difficulties, 
I got to draw close to the Lord. That's why I can't take a substitute because I need the strength that only comes from the presence of the Lord. The other stuff makes me feel better, but I'll be better if I just get in the presence of God. Because I need the strength. I need the strength. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So these are God's pleasures. These are the eternal pleasures that you have that I don't have to repent from and, do, and, and will help me go move forward, not keep me backward. All right. So our first key point is deliverance is a path. Let's look at it in Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. Very common passage of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Here's the key point. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right? So I'm counting on the Lord to show me the path and lead me on the path to the deliverance that I need. I should expect to begin to get instructions that begin to move me along a certain path, all right? When deliverance comes, don't ignore them instructions. God, I just wanted you to fix it. And then you get an instruction to take a step. He's trying to fix it. Because deliverance is a path. I just thought he was going to wave his hand it would be done. No, 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 no. There's, he's going to show me the path of life. All right? Deliverance is a path. All right? And I have to be okay when the path to deliverance takes me through the neighborhood of difficulty. I got to be okay. When the path to deliverance takes me through a rough neck neighborhood, through the bad side of town, even Jesus went to hell to get back to heaven. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, the Lord told Moses, I got to take him. I'm going I'm to kill Pharaoh, and y'all going to be done with him, but I'm going to take you through a rough neighborhood first. Before it gets better, it's going to get a little worse. Before your deliverance will come some difficulty, all right? And so I have to be okay with that. So before we get into the, the path of deliverance, let's talk about the path that we were on before we got to this path. Let's look at Ephesians 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, all right? Because there was a destiny path I was on, and it was, I was headed towards a destination until God interrupted me and put me on a different path. So let's talk about the first path we were on. And it says, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you were physically alive, but you're spiritually dead. All right? Physically alive, spiritually dead. 
Now, what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is anything that disconnects you from God who is life. That's why I got to watch them idols. Because I get disconnected from God, and God is life. You who are dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Okay? Now, there's a path there. I'm walking according to the, the course, the highways and the byways of this world. Now, when I walk according to the ways and the movements of the world, then I'm walking according to the, the authority, the prince of the power of the air. So when I'm walking in the world's ways, Satan said, this is my territory. This is my hood. I got this. Okay? According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. All right. So I'm walking on a way. I have a spirit that's pushing and driving me. I have a spirit that's guiding this system that's out there, guiding me. And then when I get right, guiding those people that's messing with me. Some people don't even know why they don't like you. They're just puppets. They don't know that there's a puppet master behind them. They don't even know. Some people don't like you, and they don't know why. The spirit that's at work in the children of disobedience. Look at verse 3. Among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the flesh of our flesh. All right? So it says, in our B.C. days, we was with them. Doing what those people, they, they were naughty by nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were naughty by nature. I had lust in my flesh, and I acted out those lusts, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and other mind, and were by nature naughty, children of wrath, just as others. You were initially on the path of the world, driven, and this world system was driven and designed by Satan, whose spirit is the unseen pastor, puppet master behind the world system and the people that live in it. Our drivers were all the thoughts that came to our minds and the feelings that came to our bodies, and all of those came from Satan. That's what that said, isn't it? Which, because they are driven by Satan, result in the wrath and punishment of God, because they are, in very nature, a violation to his standards of holiness. And the puppet master himself is also in opposition to God. So if you were being driven by him, everything you're going to do is going to be in opposition to God. So until we came out and made Jesus the Lord of our lives, we were destined for death and destruction. 
Do you see it? We were already, we were on a path, and then God moved us to a different path. Notice that there is a world system, but then there's personal desires and lusts. All right? Satan sets up a system, and he tries to find, he puts all of these things out there to try to find the ones that'll get you locked up and in prison and in bondage. All right? Now, what in bondage is you may not bondage me. All right? So, you know, some stuff you can't do that I might be able to do. I remember when my, um, one of my covenant brothers was coming out of the world. I mean, he, he drank beer like you drink water. And so when he was getting saved and coming out, when he would go to the grocery store, he wouldn't even go down the beer aisle. Now, child, please, I walk down the aisle and just keep it moving. That wasn't my issue. I didn't say I didn't have no issue. I just said that wasn't mine. <laughs> At the Christmas party, they made rum balls, and he and spit it out. Because he was like, hold it, hold it, hold it. I can't even play with some dessert with alcohol in it. What am I saying? The world system puts all of these lusts out there looking for the ones that'll hook you. All right? There's always lusts in the world trying to attach itself to you in the form of an impregnation process. Satan is trying to put things in the world system that connects to something in your mind or something in your physical flesh body. All right? If that process of the lust out there get in here, then he got you. Right? Now, some stuff that's out there, it don't even tempt you. Like everything ain't, a, everything don't bother you. You know, but just because everything bother, don't bother you don't mean nothing don't bother you. And so you got to be sensitive to the things that are dealing, that are issues for you. And then begin to put boundaries and roadblocks to not give those things access to your life. Let's look at James chapter 1. Verse 12 through 16, James calls this the process of enduring temptation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. That word there in the other passage was translated lust. His own desire, something on the inside of him, and is enticed. But that desire 
that lust is trying to hook you. That desire, the lust that's in the world is like a sperm trying to find an egg inside of you, in your own, in your own members, right? Now, when that desire has conceived, it gives birth. See, that's why I use the pregnancy term. Satan's shooting stuff out you, but some stuff he's shooting at you, he's shooting blanks. Went over somebody's head. That's all right. Somebody got what I'm talking about. Sometimes Satan's shooting stuff at you and it's blank, but sometimes there's an egg up in there and he said, "Uh uh-oh, something's in there, and he keeps shooting at that thing. All right? So, but each one of you is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth. The baby that comes from lust is called sin. Right? Sin, that lust inside of you, if you let it stay long enough, will be a life on its own. See, when you have a baby, you, you had one night of pleasure, but the rest of that stuff, it, starts, it takes a life of its own. It starts to grow on its own. You don't have to do no more when it gets in there and start growing because you're going to start getting sick. You're going to be, you know, wobbly different. Your attitudes, your hormones are going to change. All of this is going to stay because there's a life on the inside of you. And if I don't abort it at the lust level, it's going to produce a baby called sin. Uh-oh, but that baby going to want to be fed. It's not going to stay the same size. It may start small, but it's going to keep growing. And if I keep feeding it and allowing it to grow, it's going to one day get full grown and start talking to me. I'm carrying it around, but eventually it'll get in the car and drive me. If I make a room for it, it, it'll eventually run my house. (laughs) I like the way Dr. Foster said it. We first raise our children, and then our children turn around and raise us. See, sin wants to do that. Sin wants to do that. It wants to grow up to the point that it's running your house, running your life, and when it gets fully grown, the outcome in your life is death. Verse 15, let me read it again. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. The sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren. So I got to be careful that I don't play with lust too long. Because Satan tries to deceive you to think, oh, it's just a little bit of lust. It won't hurt you. No, man, it's trying to connect with you and produce a baby in your life. Oh, it's just a sin. I can repent and get forgiven. But you can get forgiven and still keep the baby growing. Right? Why? Because these things are moving me towards a destination. Destiny says that there is a destination. I'm here and I'm going somewhere. These things are, they are taking me someplace. And either they're going to take me place that I want to go, or they're going to take me someplace that I don't want to go, but they're going to take me someplace. 
The best thing I can do is fix it at the I, to fix it at the lust level and make sure that I get my desires out of it before it begins to latch itself onto me and hook put its hooks in me. Now you can go on and do the long way, the hard road, get it in and try to get it out, but you're gonna hurt. Look at John 14:30. This is Jesus talking. And he says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. He, he's tried, he tried to get me in the wilderness. He tried to hook something on me, but there was no lust in me for him to latch on to. I didn't have a desire. He kept trying. But there was nothing inside me for him to latch on to. See, the Bible wants us to be in the world and not of the world. He's saying, if you can get yourself solidly aligned with God and purify your motives before him, then Satan won't have something to latch on to when he comes. He's coming because it's the world system. He's the prince of the power of the air. But if there's no lust for him to latch on to, then he can't start me down a process that ends in my bondage. Does that make sense? Sometimes believers go through this vicious cycle, and then they start the lust process. They, they entertain it too long, watching that thing too long, looking at it, listening to it too long. They, they like... Eve listening to the serpent, who should have been kicked out because he was supposed to, he's a DB to the field, he shouldn't have been in their garden. But she listened too long, entertaining it too long, and then she let the lust get conceived. She started to look at something that she wasn't even supposed to be looking at. She started to desire something she wasn't supposed to be desiring because she started to listen to something she shouldn't have been listening to. So, so, the best way to be delivered is to not to develop the appetite in the first place. I tell single men, it's easier to go from zero to one than it is to go from two to one. Now, the math seems like it's the same. It ain't. You go from zero to one woman, you cool. You go from two Mm, it's not the same. Now, the math may say it's the same. It ain't. Don't believe the hype. It's not the same. It's easier to not build certain appetites, right, than to build them in and then have to have them taken away from you. Look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. And it says, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him, render him useless, render him powerless, who had the power of death, that is the devil, and to release, King James Version says, to deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All right? So there is a thing about getting into the death process that produces fear that then produces bondage 
that starts the cycle all over again. So what I learned is that deliverance, that both death and deliverance are a path, but also death and deliverance are a process. That's the second point. It's a process. All right? Show, show the graphic media team. Uh, hang out with lust, I'll get into sin. Hang with sin long enough, it's going to produce some death in me. That death in me, even when it's not the ultimate death, still has torment. That torment is associated with the fear of punishment. That, that torment and fear of punishment itself produces bondage, which leads me back into the lust. Job said it this way, the thing that I feared came upon me. Do you see that there are cycles? There are cycles to sin, cycles to bondage. thing I want you to know is that there's also a process and a cycle that will produce deliverance. Deliverance is a process as well. Let's look at Romans 8. 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No, uh oh, that, that's not far enough. It's not far enough. That's the first part. You in there. But if you're in there and you still walk according to the flesh, you're going to get what the flesh is taking. You're gonna, if you keep on the same road, you're going to go to where that road is taking you. You can't be there and the doctor tell you if you keep eating that, it's going to I'm going to cut your foot off and keep eating that and saying, I'm going to eat this and bless it. <laughs> Lord, take the sugar out of it after I taste it. You walking according to the flesh, right? It's going to produce something. Those, those things are taking you somewhere. See, if you're going to be destiny-minded, you can't just be destiny-minded and not understand that there's multiple destinies out there. And if you take, if you go on this road, you're going to get to wherever that road's leading you. See, people think that, that real holiness preachers just want you out of sin because they ain't want you to have no fun. No, they, they understand that you're going on some road. And if you stay on that road, you're going to get to where that road is leading I ain't trying to keep you from fun. I want you to have fun where you don't have to repent. So I got married. I was like, Lord, we still cool. He's like, yeah, we still cool. I said, Lord, we, I ain't got to, no, nah, you ain't got to repent. We cool. I was like, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to have things where it is joy and pleasures forevermore because they're with God and with good. All right? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh. If you're in Christ Jesus and you walk according to the flesh, you still have condemnation. 
you still have the threat of punishment. Not from God. That thing is going to punish you. The wages of sin is built in. The death is built into the sin. Do you understand that? There's no condemnation. Those who in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So, to get off of the death cycle, I got to move over to the life cycle. There is no in the middle. Right? Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's why I say there's a process to deliverance. It has laws to it. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. I studied this one time, and I started writing a rap called I'm Free from LSD. <laughs> the law of sin and death, yeah, I'm free from LSD. It's a hallucinogenic drug. Sin makes you hallucinate to think you can sin but not get the death. But it's only one law. The death is built into the sin. If you stay with the sin, the death comes. There is no law of just sin. It's the law of sin and death. It's one law, two outcomes. One is a short-term destination. The other is a long-term destination. Satan doesn't get you to sin to just sin. He gets you to sin because he wants to get you to the death. But if I get off the, if, see, deliverance is a path, but it's a process. There are laws associated with deliverance. There is a single law, this scripture says. It's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's being led by the spirit. So deliverance is not just a path. Deliverance is not just a process then deliverance is a person. Deliverance is a person. There's no condemnation if I get off the process of obeying my flesh and get on the process of following the promptings of the person called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself is deliverance. No condemnation to me if I walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. The law of the Spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of life. Right? Deliverance is a person then, isn't it? Let's look at verse, we're in Romans 8. Let's go through verse 11 through 15. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal physical bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Stop, hold it, hold it, hold it. Have you ever been trying to do something, you got off, and then the devil says, well, you got off, you might as well just keep going. He's telling you, you owe a debt to the flesh that once you start it, you got to finish it. The problem is, it's like Lay's potato chips. You can't just eat one. You can't eat just one. If you go down that road, you will binge. Okay, so when I get off, even if it costs me money, I throw it all away. 
See, you done paid for it now. You might as well eat it first. Eat it all up. No, you are not a debtor to your flesh. You don't owe the flesh nothing. You can be right in the middle eating that candy bar and say, I'm throwing the rest of it away. Now, take it out the house because you may do something crazy with nobody looking. I'm just saying. Flesh will make you do stuff. Flesh will make you do stuff. So you got to have it. I'm just saying. I wrote a, I wrote a, um, in one of my low moments, I wrote a poem called The 23rd Psalm for Television Addicts, Television Addicts, TV Addicts. It said, the television is my shepherd. Its commercials make me to want. Causes me to lie down with pornographic images. Right? It, it destroys my initiative and leads me in paths of unrighteousness for entertainment's sake. It destroys my initiative and my soul. Man, I, I had the whole thing. Because I this was just me. Now, see? Now, see? Now, that may not be your issue. You judging me. You judging me. You judging me. That may not be your issue. I had to deal with what was dealing with me. I had to call that thing out, man. When you're right in the middle of your show, turn it off. No, I got to see the one episode. I got to see the end of the show. And then five hours later, because now you can binge and watch a whole season in a night. You still watching it? I ain't preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to me. You are not a debtor to the flesh. The flesh told you you started it and you got to finish it. You got to break the cycle. The Holy Spirit is trying to give you interrupts to a cycle that's killing you. And then you hearing him saying, well, Lord, let me just finish this out. But you know that when you finish it out, you're going to go on to the next thing because it's a hook. I am preaching really good up in here. Okay? You are not a debtor to the flesh. You got to bust it out right in the middle. You got a lie habit. You tell a person, you know, the last thing I just told you, that was a lie. Now, see, if you do that and bust your flesh out, your flesh won't do that the next time. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to break, you're gonna have to break the cycle. What they gonna think? They gonna think you dead when seeing get to the end of the road. It won't matter what they think. You you trying to get you free. You're, you're allowing the law of the spirit of life to free you from the law of sin and death. Because if you stay in sin, the death's gonna come. I've got to allow the spirit to move me to the other side. Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put, the death, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage. That's Satan, spirit of bondage. Again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I'm crying for God to help me. I'm adopted into God. 
I'm into this stuff, and you got to help me. But when he starts to give you interrupts, some, some of us have habit patterns so ingrained that we'll be in the pattern before we know it. And we have to allow the spirit while we're in the middle of it to cut it off. Instead of saying, I got to finish it, I'm going to finish eating this, and then after that, I'm going to fast. Child, please. Three days later, five chip bags later. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm preaching to Pastor David. I'm just talking to y'all. <laughs> That's why Lady Net just there nodding her head like this. She, she's like, mm-hmm, I told you. Mm-hmm. She uses my messages against me when I get home, if y'all didn't know that. Look at verse 13 in the Amplified. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, if you live and let the flesh be the dictator, the driver of your life, you will surely die. But if, you, if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are habitually putting to death, making extinct and deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. So I got a key statement here. Habitual sin is suicide on the installment plan. But if I keep making installments, I'm going to own it. (laughs) If I make my regular monthly payment on time, and when I'm late, I make it up with interest, eventually I'm going to own that thing. Habitual sin is suicide on the installment plan. Look at the part B of that. Following the the Holy Spirit causes your eternal life to impact your everyday life. Deliverance is this person. And when he's starting to prompt me, I got to listen to those prompts. I have to be led by him. Now, that process of him leading me means I'm going to live with some managed frustration. Because the flesh is still going to be wanting it when he's telling me no. You hear me? Okay, I'm going to eat this one the last time, and after this one, then I'm going to be done with it. The flesh is still going to be wanting it after you ate it, what you called your last time. So I have to understand that either I'm going to fulfill the desires of the flesh that ultimately lead to a desire that I want, I don't want, or I may have to do some things in the short term that I don't want to lead to the life that I do want. You see that I got I got to manage these things. And this is this is real brass tax deliverance. I don't have enough oil to do for you what following the Holy Ghost will do for you. I can't just okay, shout three times, turn around, dance, mm, 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 and then you'll be delivered. I wish it was. I would have a click track at every service. But it's not like that. I've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when he prompts me, his word must be law. One scripture and then we're done. Now the Lord 
is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom, there's deliverance. Okay? I've got to treat those, this, those promptings from the Holy Spirit like their law. I call the Lord God the Father. We call Jehovah Lord in, in Psalm 16 this morning. We've called Jesus Lord, Romans 10. Now I'm calling the Holy Spirit Lord. So when he's telling me something, I need to stop saying, something told me I wasn't supposed to do that. His name is not something. Not something, something. Something told me. And then I ignore it because it don't have the same name as Lord Holy Ghost. But if he's Lord, and then I do what he says, on the other side of that is my deliverance. Come on, let's stand. Did this bless you today?